Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is Force Center, a show about Star Wars, pop culture, and the ultimate adventure, eating burritos, or life itself, whatever you want to describe. Anyway, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsack, and I've got a story to tell. 
<laughs> I'm Jennifer Landa. I want to hear the story of the burrito. <laughs> the tale of the large burrito is coming up in just a moment. How's that for a teaser, everyone? That's a beautiful but- <laughs> First, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial, just a free trial, no burritos, at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We are continuing to recommend Dark Disciple by Christy Golden, a very important book in the life and times of Asajj Ventures, who we're all excited to see pop up again at some point here in this new season of Bad Batch. Uh, to download your free audiobook today, you can go to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. We're excited to do our, our Q&A episode here today. Uh, we'll get to our cues, but we've still got some A's, including asks. Uh, Ken, do you want to dive into asks? I would like to dive into asks here today. And hey, uh, as uh, this recording, and uh, not this release, but this recording, we have the second episode of Jedi Beat Out. It just went out to the world, and you can uh, check it out now. We are very excited about Jennifer Landis' NPR Meets Star Wars YouTube series. Uh, we're going to have this every Monday for, well, the next three weeks. And yeah, I know, I've heard some of your calls. We're, we're going to try to convince Jen to keep going. You know, we're going to find a way. Uh, but to do that, head over to our YouTube channel, check it out, give it a like, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, tell your friends about what we've got going on here. Uh, Jen, what is the what is the quick summary for this week? Uh, this week, we are going back in time to the groovy 70s and <laughs> early 80s. Uh, lots of disco dancing, that disco Yoda mm. in my mind. Uh, that yeah, was really ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haunting. So it's, it was haunting. It was haunting, <laughs> right? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, join <laughs> us on that episode where we look at the weird side of Star Wars. It's been weird from day one, and I love it. It's a wonderful episode. Check that out on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say what I what I really enjoyed about this episode, which I power watched uh, before we recorded, is so many of the images it, from the weird 70s are these uh, WTF images. Mm-hmm. That have been passed around the internet a lot. Uh, but I love that the episode has fun with the WTF, but then also answers the titular question of WTF. We're like, actually, there is an answer to what the yeah. blank. And Jennifer Land is here to share the answer to what the bleep was that about. Yeah, yeah. Some things I hadn't seen in full context yet, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it, was, it was fantastic. Uh, also, one of the things we're asking you to consider is uh, supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash force and a great way to support the show. And we have a goal in place uh, at 400 paid patrons. We'll do a commentary of a Star Wars film. We'll let you choose. Uh, you can vote once we reach that goal. Oh, we're very, very close. We've done some commentaries in the past, but we want to kind of make this a thing. We put up on the Patreon page for supporters and also maybe make available to the world uh, a la carte, as Joseph says. And uh, that reminds me. If you're a patron supporter, you get exclusive access to the 007 Center we've got going, our uh, two-and-a-half-hour deep dive, and I say that with pride. Two-and-a-half-hour deep dive in the Casino Real is up. It's also available in our shop section on our Patreon page, again, at patreon.com slash center. And from that Patreon page, you get into our Discord, where a lot of people are celebrating and talking Bad Batch. There's a lot of excitement for that series as it goes on. Our Bad Batch report, report is back. Um, but in the Discord, you can celebrate it to 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as they do. And I love the conversations. <laughs> yes, with actual friendly Star Wars chat on the internet. Who knew it was possible? But it is yeah, yeah. Uh, in our Discord. And yes, uh, another 007 Center coming 
uh, to discuss Quantum of Solace. Ken, do you think we can talk about Quantum of Solace longer than the film itself, since it's a shorter runtime? It's going to be going to be easy to do, yeah, because it's a shorter <laughs> film, and I've got a lot of thoughts on that film. Me too. Oh, I yeah. love that film. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait to dive in. Yeah. Uh, well, from there, then let's dive into our life in Star Wars adventures. We're getting to the teased burrito. Ken, do you want to start with your burrito adventures? Yes. Yeah. I uh, had uh, my weekend didn't start out well. Started with this this incident on Friday. Uh, I had to go. Uh, had to. I was, I was blessed to go on a radio station to promote uh, my band, the Moon Angels. It didn't go well. Uh, I stumbled headlong into a radio bit. I should have known better. And uh, I proceeded to get roasted for 25 minutes by the listeners of Los Angeles. Uh, they took calls as they insulted me and my band. Uh, it was not fun. Uh, so I've been a little, little down. But I was like, you know what? I got a beacon of hope on Sunday. Get to go to uh, downtown L.A., hang out with friends, and watch the short film that Joseph wrote and directed and that I was blessed to be in, The Nightmare Adorable, in a film festival. And afterwards, Joseph had mentioned lunch. And we're near, we're in downtown, we're near El Cholo. And I haven't been to that downtown location, but El Cholo is one of my favorite restaurants. And I had, you know, stars in my eyes and we got to go eat and got to (laughs) hang out and just kind of be around friends. And that's a, that's a good thing after you experience strangers in the world, not on the internet, strangers in your ears on a phone, on a radio station, uh, insulting you. It just felt good to be around warm, uh, wonderful people. And then, yes, I ordered uh, the uh, 1977. Uh, they, they, El Cello has all their menu items by year. The year they <laughs> added them to the menu, the Burrito Dorado, uh, one year off of my birthday. And um, as we were walking back to our car, I, I rode with Hal Lublin. Hal says, you finished that? And I said, I, I, had a lo- I have a long track record of waiters looking at me and going, all of it, huh? And that was one of them. I paid the price, but it was the hope I needed. The waiters walking up with like the to-go bag and turning around, seeing the empty plate. Like, oh, doesn't need that. <laughs> There's a restaurant in, in Shell Beach, California, Ventana Grill. They have a burrito on there, or they did at least. At one time I ate it, it's like 15 years ago. The waiter literally goes, I've never seen anyone finish that. <laughs> Uh, you what should you get songs. You know, there's the ice cream places that <laughs> do the songs like, or like give you yeah. <laughs> metal or whatever. You know, like, yeah. Give me a defibrillator, a defibrillator right at the table. You should be like a military general who's just like got all these badges for all the burritos you've finished. <laughs> burritos I've finished. For all the burritos I've finished before. Yeah. That makes me think of The Great Outdoors with John Candy. I have not mm. thought about that movie in mm. years, but mm. I loved that scene when they were in the... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In that lodge or whatever, eating. <laughs> yeah, that's that me. so good. Mm-hmm. So good. So anyways, uh, but it was a great time. It was a good time. Good day. It was. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, and and I I feel your pain and in your writing partner's uh, uh pain at getting that you know sort mm-hmm. of uh trial by fire where people are yeah. crappy about art. Yeah. Um, mm. Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't be a jerk about it. As we all mm-hmm. often talk about it. Um. Mm-hmm. But I, I went through kind of like a, a similar journey with the screening. Like I've been lucky to see uh, the short film, The Nightmare Adorable, with audiences a, a couple of times, and it's always gone well. Uh, but you never know what you're getting with the film festival, with attendance, with how the festival is run, with the tech. It's just you mm-hmm. spend all of this time trying to make the film technically perfect, and then you send it into them, and you're like, and they're like, "Don't worry, we've got it." And then <laughs> you don't know if they, you don't know if the sound is going to come out, you don't know if it's going to be wrong. You know, and yeah. so I was like, ah, I'm going to be real nervous about all that stuff. So I'll get there early 
and I'll go to a previous screening to kind of see what the vibe is. And the, the technical specs of the way they showed the films were phenomenal. Um, uh, but the attendance, I went to a screening at noon and the attendance was, was, was real light. Mm. Um, and, uh, the, the, there were some people there who had made a fantastic film mm. <laughs> and they stood up at the end and was like, well, weird mm. to watch it with no one. And I was like, I was here and I liked it <laughs> <laughs> and they're happy with it. But you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's hard. It's two o'clock on a Sunday yeah. in downtown yeah. Los Angeles, which is, so anyway, I was uh, very gratified that, you know, a decent amount of people showed up. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people for all of the films in that block and it went really well. And it was a beautiful uh, uh, reward of all the work that goes into the film mm-hmm. to see it with the cast and to be able to like lean over and look at everybody. And I, I, you know, patted Ken on the shoulders like this always gets a laugh. One of the moments that always gets a laugh. And that was just a joy. And then to eat, you know, a, a reasonable <laughs> amount of delicious food for myself was good. That was, yeah. that was my main, well, yeah. yeah. I also shot another film this weekend, which was just a wonderful experience, but uh, so I'm feeling very lucky and uh, yeah. wanting to keep making, making film adventures. Make them films. Make them films. Yeah. Yeah. So Jennifer, did you eat too much of anything this weekend? <laughs> no, but ever, I, whenever I go to El Cholo, I always finish my meal, which is Good. the enchiladas suizas, I believe. Yes. Mm. Uh, oh yeah. And I'm always asking for another thing of salsa. They're like, more? I'm like, yes, I need my own, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that place. Um, I went roller skating uh, for a kid's birthday. Oh, no. And it's I had this funniest thing, which is not funny, but around me, all the children were falling. Like these are you know young kids falling. And there I was, my speed skating <laughs> self. I grew up roller skating and I felt so good that me, this older person, was just wheeling around while the kids around me were falling. I was like, I finally have an advantage. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And it just reminded me to, that, uh, you know, it's like riding a bike, roller mm. skating. It, mm. it's, you, can still, uh, you can still do it. Even if you're I, <laughs> the next day, you're in a tremendous amount of pain. Um, yeah. But yeah, were you fun. sore not from falling, but just for that much that much limb use? It was more my back. Ah. What I've been telling you guys off air. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun, and my kids had fun, and, um, and yeah, it's it's not easy to roller skate, right? I, like I can't do it. I tried. Oh. It's it's I, I I don't have faith in the process. No. <laughs> I would be like Yoda and attack the clones, and except for I can't summon my cane uh, from the ground. Like, <laughs> they have these like, energy. Yeah, they have these like w- not walkers, but like kind of this these this like contraption like a walker for kids, and it wheels with them so that they can learn. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that when no. we were kids. It was a tremendous help for my for my no. girls, and yeah. it actually helped them conquer it. By the end, they could both see, skate. See, we yeah. had wood and metal slides, and roller skating <laughs> was something you either did or didn't do. Wow! Just face plant, break your arm. Yeah. That'll teach you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh my. <laughs> the good God. old days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was good. Mm. That was a good time. Mm. Oh, well, what a great mix of adventures. Uh, roller skating is just like riding a bike with two bikes on your feet, eating a burrito. So yeah. many beautiful things. Love it. Uh, Love it. Are you guys ready to dive into then our questions for this episode? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, we got two Star Wars questions, and then there's a life question that's a little bit of a shorter question. So I threw in a kind of a bonus life question uh, at the end. But first, we're going to go to Star Wars. This comes to us from our patron, Zach Martin, who says, Hello, Force Center. 
As I mentioned in the comments of the video, I really enjoyed the first episode of Jedi Beats. I especially enjoyed the anecdote about young George Lucas wandering into Stuart Freeborn's workshop, much to Freeborn's confusion. Hmm. I got such a vivid picture in my mind of that moment. I thought, this has to be a scene in a movie. So my question is this. Do you think we will ever get a film dramatization of the making of Star Wars? I can't believe it never occurred to me before, but it would be great. It's got all the elements. A ragtag group of young creatives racing against time and budgets to make something that changes the world. Uh, also, what would your uh, fan casting choice be for who would play Joy George? My vote goes to Ben Wishaw. Hey, a 007 connection. I could also see it expanding to a trilogy <laughs> following the making of other movies in George's journey from indie filmmaking rebel to the creator and owner of a billion-dollar empire. Of dreams, if you will. Oh, Zach, we will. Because we love the uh, documentary Empire of Dreams, and I think it figures into this conversation. So, Jennifer, since this is uh, all queued off by your uh, your great first episode of Jedi Beats, uh, what do you think about the idea of a dramatic biopic uh, making of Star Wars uh, with the young George Lucas? Are you, I love you it. excited for it? Yeah, it's something I, I had not thought about, but it makes a lot of sense. I guess the only thing is generally they don't make too many movies about making movies in the past. Right? I feel like there's a lot of biopics, uh, historical things, historical events. Mm -hmm. But this is a historical event, as we've talked about before, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't – and I almost wonder if – is it too close? And George Lucas is still alive. A lot of the people are still alive. Star Wars is still going. Maybe it might need a little bit more time, a little bit more distance. But I just think about even like, you know, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, that little group, right? Mm -hmm. That could be really fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of conflict in there oh, uh, yeah. with, you know, George's uh, famous, uh, you know, just uh, getting exhausted to the point of uh, hospitalization right, right. and the, the Dykstra team and a lot of the stories that were told in really well from the Industrial Light and Magic uh, documentary on Disney+. Plus. Uh, there's a ton there. Um, Ken, I want to hear your general thoughts, mm -hmm. and then I'm interested in talking about why it hasn't happened, because that's what my mind went to of, like, I think there's yeah. reasons it hasn't happened yet, like Jennifer's talking about. Yeah, and I'm doing even some on-air research. Uh, uh, overall, I, I love this idea. There has been things along the way that make me think about this, uh, whether it be the uh, um, George Lucas in Love from like 1999, mm. one of the first mm. viral vi videos that I think Tim Dowling, the screenwriter, worked on. Uh, then you had, uh, I, you know, the, the first episode of The Toys That that, that Made Us has a lot of recreations and, re and, and actually I thought it did good casting and it, it made me think of, I'd love to just keep going with that. So I, this is a one wonderful idea uh and there was a series uh, do you all remember it was uh i ended up doing some work for wondery I, I wrote a documentary podcast series on on the rock versus steve austin and it was a, a documentary tale on those two wrestlers and how they're intertwined and they, that was based off the spielberg versus lucas one they had done or the mm. company put out mm. and it got it, it got pretty popular uh for a while and it was it was you know it was it was a, a mix of fact and fiction uh, as as was mine, you're kind of putting together, you know, stuff off off of you know little Instagram posts and turning those into scenes. You know, that's the kind of goes. But all that all that to say, I think overall, this is a this is a great idea. Timing, the reasons why, yeah, that's part of the discussion. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Um, in in there's you know the specificity in Zach's question about a making of Star Wars, but then I mm -hmm. was also just thinking about like a general biopic that went through his entire life. I think there is mm -hmm. a little resurgence in. 
making dramatizations of making famous things. There's, a, I believe, that um, show the offer about right. Godfather. Yeah, um, mm. and a few in a few of the people who are tangentially involved, um, like the daughter of a person involved, is was not mm-hmm. not jazzed about some of the things that were said, um, yeah. things like that, um, which is always a risk of making new things. But I feel like uh, right now uh, the industry is still, as we've talked about, in a place where any bit of familiarity or any bit of the audience already knows what we're marketing makes them feel safer. That's why, you know, you're getting people like we want to make IP. We also, we honestly don't even care if it's very popular IP. We will, uh, you know, yeah. we, we will buy the rights for a book that hasn't been published yet because the book will do half of our advertising for us. Right. I, and I think that mindset makes it a friendly time to make movies about pre-existing movies. Cause you, got something to advertise Hmm. what i wanted to ask you both about is i feel like one of the reasons that it might not have happened is that it's actually a relatively new thing from my perspective that people respect george lucas he was absolutely derided for the the prequels Mm -hmm. he was made fun of the only films that existed about him were you know (laughs) Mm-hmm. condemnations of him like the people mm-hmm. versus george lucas um or documentaries he made himself about himself like empire of dreams that he released it's so like in the 2000s and even in the all the way up through the the mid uh 2010 uh, mm-hmm. teens when the force awakens was coming out some of that first stuff was lip service to respect for george lucas but also like so much of the force awakens promotion was don't worry, it's going to be like the original trilogy mm-hmm. before George Lucas mm-hmm. lost it and went bonkers with the prequels, right? Mm-hmm. The prequel generation getting to the right age and, you know, for better or worse, people who don't like the sequel trilogies and put all their focus on, I like George Lucas's Star Wars. I feel like those factors have kind of combined. So now if if you post about George Lucas on social media, you'll probably get more positive comments than mm-hmm. yeah. just... I mean, if you said the words George Lucas mm-hmm. in, in the 2000s, like grumpy Gen Xers would just like turn and spit on the ground. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not, you know, so I think it's kind of fascinating. It's really only in the last maybe 10 years that people would be like, yes, let's honor the achievement of this man. Mm-hmm. As opposed to you say his name and the knee jerk reaction you get is a list of complaints about his failures. Hmm. Mm hmm. I really, I really think you, you, you're right, and that's maybe a separate conversation and discussion point too of of uh, even early, uh, you know, digital media movie discussion days. It was just kind of a given, right? You know, remember when George ruined everything? It was just mm-hmm. kind of what was implied, and so yeah, I'm glad to see it's changed. Uh, I don't think that was ever the truth, and um, People versus George Lucas is one of the worst things I think ever created, <laughs> and and can say that because I have, as I said before, I have a, a, of a pal, Mark Riley, who appears in it, and 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 basically said they lied about what they were making to get some books mm. on there, um, and uh, yeah, I, I, but I think now it's and and and. and I think the story of Star Wars is uh, – the making of Star Wars is so familiar that maybe I'm thinking, ah, w- w- it, would it just be things I I hadn't heard? But then even, Jen, your first episode of Jedi Beat that people have seen, like I'm one of many who was like, oh, I've never seen that photo. Hmm. Oh, I never knew that little tale. Uh, that's one of the, the successes of, of your project is digging in deep. So you, you could find corners to crawl into or really highlight things. You mentioned it, uh, uh, Joseph. It, it's a – it's a trivia question. Well, George went in the hospital with uh, what he thought was a heart attack. That's pretty big. 
That's a pretty big scene to show of George dying in his mm-hmm. mind, not knowing what he's mm-hmm. going on. You, know, you could have, mm-hmm. you could, you could do that. But my, my, this may be jumping ahead in the conversation. I just don't, I, I wonder if George is like, if anyone's ever approached him or would, he need to be like, nah, no, nah, the world doesn't need that. The world doesn't need a story of me. I have, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a, a quick phone line to old George Lucas, so I have no mm-hmm. idea what he really thinks, but I feel like, He's said his piece with his documentary about his life as it relates to Star Wars with Empire mm-hmm. of Dreams. Mm-hmm. And he's shared his perspective and he's he included some people who disagree with him uh, in that documentary. There are a zillion books that people have written about him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has sat down and I mean, he's done like the interviews for like the, the Tashin big archives, yeah. but he yeah. hasn't been like I what I want to do with my life is sit down and write my definitive biography mm. or even hire someone mm-hmm. so there's a part of me that feels like he i wonder if he feels like he told his story with empire of dreams good i'm on to the next thing and if another reason it might not have been made uh, or even considered is because i can't imagine he'd say great things about <laughs> it right yeah 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 but, yeah I jennifer what are your imagine. thoughts on yeah yeah lucas's reaction yeah, I think that that's a big reason why he nobody's done it is because every a lot of directors greatly respect him, right? Mm-hmm. They would want to get his blessing. Mm-hmm. He's gonna say no, uh, and or like make it uncomfortable, or they know he's he's gonna slam it after they've worked on this film, right? I just think I, I don't know, and he actually is very friendly with a lot of younger directors, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's another layer where it's like, well, if you're J.J. Abrams, for example, mm-hmm. are you going to want to go to George and be like, I'm going to tell your life story? Like, I, I just, I, I can't imagine. That's why mm-hmm. I think that maybe when he's really old or unfortunately dead, that people will be like, okay, now's our time to tell his story. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the vultures are circling. Yeah. 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 yeah I- Go ahead, Ken. I, I think he also might be like, yeah, you, okay, you want to make a movie about my life? The third act has to be me uh, making the uh, narrative uh, museum. You have to end it in my museum. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, concentrate I, on that. I, yeah. I honestly think a biopic, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Hey, let, let's hope that George Lucas is the first person to live to 150. So uh, 60 years from now, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, when he is, he is gone, I think a biopic would be really fascinating because there, there's some mm-hmm. amount of respect of like the the person isn't here so now he lives in our cultural memory and now we get to sort of struggle with who who was this real person really what what is the through line of their entire life mm-hmm. and right. i i think the the lucas museum of narrative art is gonna be a huge thing and it's a mm-hmm. huge part of the story of who this man is that mm-hmm. we know so much about his Star Wars journey because he has shared it in various documentaries and he's given interviews for Tashin and Mm -hmm. like that information is out there about the making of Star Wars, Mm -hmm. but the ups and downs of trying to make Lucas museum of narrative art. I think people have probably like seen articles or that, but if you really track it, Mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to have it in San Francisco and uh, uh, basically people who didn't want the, the space movie man to sully their beautiful areas mm-hmm. pushed him out. I, I mean, it's classic what Lucas rails against. Yeah. Uh, and it ended up in LA because LA was a city friendly to it. Mm-hmm. And 
from behind the scenes, it sounds like he's spent a decent amount of time special editioning the museum, which is why it's taken because yeah. he wants it to be just right. There's so much that's like, and the fact that just this, this is what he wants his, his, his thing to, to be. He could be yeah. off making more movies, but right. he wants to make a museum where the stated intent is that people can celebrate the idea of telling stories and how important it is. And that younger generations can be inspired to tell stories like mm. It's rich and fascinating. Yeah, what, one one angle on it too, and I wonder if if this was a if I was if I had the chance to pitch to George, I would not. Uh, I I would I would go almost to Shakespeare Love Route, where I bet he would he would react to a co- a completely fake biopic, <laughs> where they'd be like, all right, what if we what if we could tell the making of Star Wars, but it's not real. Like we're gonna your car crash is gonna be a space plane crash. Yeah, you know, you, 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 it's gonna we're, it's gonna be completely imagined. And a total work of fiction, but have like I'm even thinking too, like the, the movie uh, Milos Forman's uh, "Man on the Moon" '99, which was a complete mm. not retelling of Andy Kaufman, but also a, a telling of it, where they acknowledge at the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie, "This is this is this is not how it all happened." Where George would be like, "Okay, that's interesting," versus just I've he'd be like, "Yeah, it ends in a sabaro. I get it. I got it. Like mm. everyone's heard that story, but if you just come from a different angle, it's a different." pitch than what Zach's talking about but you know I know he has that he has that he has a weird sense mm-hmm. of humor that might take to something like that what do you think about that Jennifer the difference between like a a grounded realistic depiction of the making of Star Wars versus something that is a little bit more bonkers and out there like yeah I could see that more likely or that it's kind of loosely based on the events right so maybe mm-hmm. it's not Star Wars it's a the war in the stars like I don't know like <laughs> it's just a looser adaptation of it right mm-hmm. and things are changed for dramatization purposes I can mm-hmm. see that I also think like I think he'd be kind of angry because he's like I'm still alive I'm still mm-hmm. doing things like you're talking about the narrative <laughs> museum like mm-hmm. this is what you do when people are dead like yeah, I'm yeah. still creating things and mm-hmm. I think he is still working on his legacy and what he mm-hmm. is doing with that museum is incredible making it accessible for for people mm-hmm. in that community and mm-hmm. and for all around Los Angeles that is right by the sub the metro line or whatever mm-hmm. it's just it's and they're going to have like all these events and things for schools like this is going to impact so many people and mm-hmm. in a beautiful way. And I think that that is going to be a huge chunk of, mm-hmm. of his legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited for it to open. I cannot wait to spend, to spend time there. Um, so we're spiraling out a little bit from Zach's question to kind of overall biopic. But since Zach's question was sort of specifically about a, a, a you know, contained film that's the making of the mm-hmm. first film, uh, the thing with biopics is that, you know, in order to not just be documentaries with actors doing re- recreations, they have to have a perspective, a through line, a like point. Ken, do you have a night for you, if you were sitting in front of Lucas and you were get, pitching the the making of Star Wars as a dramatic film, what do you is the the through line? What's the heart of it? What's the what's the story? I, I mean, for, I would turn turn to you because we'd be in the room together and be like, it's going to be called The Rebel in Flannel. And <laughs> here we go. Um, but I think it is it is uh, it is it is a story of uh, of, of the, that generation of creators and, and what they were building and, and what they were creating for all of us at the time and and, and the dangers of it there too because along the way you have everything George is still talking about if you get him sit, to sit down in an interview of of all these. You know, uh, toaster magnets were the ones telling us how to make movies, not not you know family you know 
Metro Golden Mayor families. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it had changed. The studio mm-hmm. system changed, and it was it was corporations. And he was lucky to find someone like Alan Ladd Jr. who believed in him more than even the product. He he was happy, and even mm-hmm. then they tried to change. Alan Ladd's almost you know walks out. You know, you could include that if you're going all the all the way up to Empire. Um, and and I think that would be my story. That would be my pitch. Is is this is the biggest. You know, saga of all time, billion dollar, multi billion dollar franchise, but it's an, it's it's a, it's a not quite indie, indie as the prequels were, but it's it's an independent filmmaker, uh, rebelling against the system that he's making this in, and I, I would focus on that as best I could, and I'd, mm. I'd start it with the car crash. <laughs> oh the yeah, scene mm-hmm. is his car mm-hmm. crash. Nice, dramatic, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, for anybody who is not a longtime uh, listener, watcher, of Force Center, Rebel in Flannel is a phrase that, that we mm-hmm. throw around. It's just so often, like, it just seems like who he is. And I think I, I, I that's a great uh, working title, Ken. I think mm-hmm. for me that it would be something about the thrust of it might be about how we all express ourselves differently. And mm-hmm. I think what's sort of fascinating about George Lucas and why Rebel in Flannel is kind of funny to me is because he creates these visions of these dashing, daring figures that, you know, everyone from Leia to Han, all these visions of what a rebel looks like. And then for us to look at George Lucas in real life of, you know, kind of quiet from all reports, likes close personal reaction, but is not like a big, loud personality, just kind of quiet, wants Mm -hmm. to eat at Sbarro's, does not Mm -hmm. want to be fancy, wants to be in flannel, like, all these things to us wouldn't say unstoppable dynamo culturally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and just this idea of like, yep, on, on the surface, he is not what we associate with what he accomplished. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a lot about like, he's, he's even said, I, I struggle with talking to actors. That's been the report on the prequels of like, George didn't have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to me to, to think about how we all communicate differently. And some people I think find their way to art, because that's how they feel comfortable being passionate. And I think mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. all of his passion is on the screen and, you know, yeah. all of that zip and energy and, and forward movement uh, and everything that he, he needed to accomplish that, put that on the screen is a great uh, yeah. celebration of, of passion coming from a, a uh, a, a place that we don't always uh, assume it will from flannel. <laughs> Yeah, he's the opposite of, of a John Milius type who crafted this mm-hmm. image about him and, and it was this uh, bowling ball r- running down Hollywood. And um, I don't think Spielberg has an image either, but it, it's a little, I don't know, he, he has a different different energy to him than he's even George. He's much more of a, uh, like, he's yeah. not like Orson Welles or Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Like, there, there's directors who are like yep. a person, David Lynch, who are personalities onto themselves. Like, if you never yeah. made a film, people would probably listen to you guys talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in Orson Welles was an actor, obviously, but mm-hmm. but Spielberg's out there talking, pitching, you know, talking mm-hmm. about his feelings. And Lucas is much more mild mannered, even than Spielberg. Yeah. You know, yeah. Jennifer, what do you feel like for you when you when you hear when you go through the story of the making of the first film? What's the emotional thread that resonates with you? One of the things I think about is is his thought process and who he really is and why why does he do the things that he does? Like I feel like I have a sense of who he is and it's easy to kind of write him off as just like quirky, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things and we'll talk about this in in a minute, but the, for me the act whoever is the actor is the most crucial thing because they need to 
create a person and show what what is he thinking of when he's writing this down? What is his thought process for why he feels so compelled to go and do this, the special editions? Like beyond, like it's it's something so deep rooted. And as an actor, you have to find that out. And obviously if he could talk to George Lucas and get that insight, I don't know that George Lucas would be even articulate, be able to articulate mm-hmm. it or share it. <laughs> yeah. So the actor would have to find it. But I think just really painting that picture and I want to see that thought process on the screen. That's what I find so interesting what I think would make people really understand the genius and have more empathy um, for, for him and also more praise for what he did mm-hmm. and what he's yeah. done rather. Yeah. I love that detail that pops up that, you know, he was so frustrated that people didn't hear the message of THX 1138. And, and mm. people were like, I, I, you know, his other filmmaker friends were like, I challenge you to make something like that's warm and fun. And he's like, all right, I'll take the <laughs> okay. challenge. I'll make it warm and fun and I'll include all the messages from THX 1138. Even that sort of, uh, you know, motivation catalyst towards Star Wars is rebellious of like, I'll show you. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Fascinating. Uh, Let's talk about actors because uh, uh, Zach does ask about who he would cast. He offers uh, Ben Wishaw, which is, uh, hey, everything from Paddington to Q in the James Bond movies. I think he's a, a great choice. Ken, do you have other casting choices? I always admit I'm bad at casting because I, I don't pay attention as much as I used to to the names. And, and then I looked up, I, I I know who Ben Wisha is, but I, I looked him up in, in, in Google search. And like the first shot is him with a beard and puffy hair. And I'm like, oh, that's that's George from that era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so get a nice mm-hmm. British actor to to, to do this. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, I admit to being a little lost on that. I do know. I do know. I absolutely want Alden, to Alden Ehrenreich to play no. <laughs> Harrison Ford. On set here, and I don't know, you know, Billy uh, wow. Lord is Leia. I don't know. That's Carrie Fisher, Billy Bobby Brown is Carrie Fisher. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. But at that point, just uh, I'm, oh. I'd be happy to have it all. Yeah, that's a four-hour episode of Four yeah. Center trying to cast, cast all the people to play, yeah. not the uh, not the characters, but the actors. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's a whole other can of worms. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you cast these icons? Maybe that's why no one's touched it. Because mm-hmm. you you have these these giants in the industry, mm-hmm. and you can't cast it. It yeah, could make it, it seem really cheesy. Well, that, that's it's if you look in 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 you know some a lot of those films, the, the biopic stuff. Yeah, it, it it it's either really inspired or catches off guard or or borders on on parody. You know, and mm-hmm. and that can be unfortunate. I, I one of my favorite books and stories, but one of my favorite, I do like the HBO movie of 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 uh, Late Shift. Uh, the story mm. of Len- Lennon and Le- Leno and, and Letterman and Carson. And, you know, you have John Michael Higgins' Letterman. Letterman famously hated it. We're going to show, make fun of the movie and everything. You have Leno and, the, and it does look kind of like a bad sketch, but it's a great movie. Uh, but it's it's sometimes, it's just really hard to do that stuff without making look making it look like a, a mad TV sketch or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, like The Aviator, right? Like I was not mm. a fan with some of those mm. uh, portrayals of these, of these icons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I don't, yeah. And those were great actors. Like it's not like they're not good actors. Yeah, this is why I contend the greatest movie of all time, not Young Guns Two, is 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 the uh, weird, the Weird Al Yankovic movie that came out. If no, if no oh, one saw it last year, yeah. it's because it's completely fake. 
And there's a little elements of truth, but there's that this great scene, and you have all these actors, you know, play, I think is it Jack Black as Wolfman, uh, Jack at one point. You got uh, Rain Wilson as Doctor Demetra, and and they they look exactly like them, but they look nothing like them. And it's just this great. It's the greatest scene. This backyard thing where he 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 uh, unveils uh, his first song. It's it's amazing. So that's why that's why that's why I was maybe thinking of weird wild stuff. Versus, but I I think you can mm. find some serious actors. Yeah. Yeah, Th- thinking through it as as the just the making of Star Wars, you know, I'm googling actors in their twenties, and the first one who popped up is <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, uh, and Jennifer's like, it. nope, yeah. nope. It's probably something like that. It'd be Bradley <laughs> Cooper with a, a, a <laughs> de-aged face on or something. Yeah. What if it What if it morphed from Timothy Chalamet to uh, Bradley Cooper? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They'll bring in Jacob Elordi because, you know, he's really popular right now. Uh, it, it, Bradley Cooper spent six months eating at a Sbarro every day to prepare for this role. <laughs> in flannel. In flannel. I need to live inside his skin. His, his oh. flannel skin. Yeah. No, I mean, I, we, we, we've talked about this recently. An unknown. An unknown yeah. is my mm-hmm. first choice because find some great young theater actor who is is not loaded down with us with cultural baggage mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, either that or my super weird choices uh hayden christensen just because that would <laughs> there's there's something about them where they're yes. both like you know uh still waters run deep vibe with both yeah. Lucas and hayden christensen you, you know, know yes. you know what i i would say hayden christensen is alan ladd jr Yes. Oh, is, guy Ken says, you George. got go picture. You, <laughs> you got, got go, go picture. picture. Like yeah, because Hayden really does believe in George. So, and he's a yeah. he can you can do that quiet, soft spoken thing. Alan Ladd is a Alan Ladd Jr. is a walking ASMR video with his voice. So yeah, let's, let's yeah. do that. <laughs> That's so good. Any other choices uh, from you, Jennifer? No, I think it's really a challenge. I mean, these people have nothing to do with with George Lucas, but like I'm, I think of an actor like a like a Paul Giamatti or a, a Michael Fassbender, who did very great uh, work as Steve Jobs, right? Oh, yeah, able, yeah. right? Like they're yeah, and they're able to say so much with so little, and their their work is just fantastic. So mm-hmm. it's got to be somebody like that, but an unknown who looks like George Lucas. <laughs> yeah. An, an unknown who can play real, real internal, right? Cause that is <laughs> yeah. Lucas's real internal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts before we take a quick break, Ken? I mean, I want to see all this now. We got to work on this. Let's get, let's get a meeting. Let's take a meeting. <laughs> let's take a meeting. We got a lot of really, really <laughs> questionable ideas. Somebody have a meeting with us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want weird Al as George Lucas, but I want I all the air. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, just a total lie, like George Lucas, who always dreamed of playing the accordion, but oh had a, an accordion accident and instead <laughs> made Star Wars. Why not? <laughs> Have fun with it. Great question, Zach Martin. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment with more questions back in a moment. 
Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we are back here on Force Center. Questions of the everything. We've got a couple of great Star Wars questions from our patrons on Patreon and one really fun uh, life question. So our next Star Wars question comes from Commander Cloud, one of the greatest names in our Patreon. Commander says, Greetings, exalted ones. Uh, suppose that General Grievous had escaped his duel with Obi-Wan on Utapau and lived to scurry and cough another day. Uh, what do you think would have become of him after the Clone Wars? Go into hiding, become a terrorist, uh, become an Inquisitor, maybe even team up with Maul and get revenge on Sidious and Kenobi? What would you all want to see? Thanks, and may the force of others be with you. What do we want to see? <laughs> I hadn't really I'd, – I'd read this question, but I just not, now just got the image of Grievous at a spider leg mall going, Let, let's get him. Let's do it. 
<laughs> yep. Look at look at where we end up. Look at where we end up. Um, Jennifer, I don't think we've I've I don't know if we've talked in recent times about your opinions of General Grievous, uh, how you first received him, and what you what you think of the character now. I like the character. I think he he was so odd. Uh, I remember when when I first saw him, my kids loved my little action figure, and they would play with him a lot, which I always thought was so funny. <laughs> like, why are you so drawn to this character? But they really were. Uh, they were drawn to him. Um, and then was it with the, cl- I can't even remember now, the Clone Wars, the storyline with his lair. Am I remembering mm-hmm. that wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I thought that was really fascinating, gaining more insight into this character. Um, but yeah, this is a this is an interesting question and something I had not thought, <laughs> thought about. But I love the image of him scurrying away. <laughs> Screen and coughing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I always was uh, intrigued by the character. I think when he first came out in Revenge of Sith, you know, I didn't know there was going to be a new villain. And then uh, the build up with the Clone Wars 2D series. Mm-hmm. And I was excited to see him. And then the, I remember being like, I, I really like him. And also, is a cough the most frightening thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, mm-hmm. my wife's had a cough for a little while. And it is quite frightening after a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. you know, it's constantly being startled by a cough. Um, but I, I've come to really, really love the character thinking about what he means in relation to Vader of being a sort of, uh, proto Vader, um, the, the various storylines, both in Canon, in legends that this is not a story of somebody who is wounded. And, you know, you can look at Vader as an analogy of battle scars of these choices, you know, caused him to lose humanity, but Grievous's story being like, I want to be the greatest warrior and I will. I will willingly give away my humanity to do mm-hmm. it. And I want to become this sort of frightening, you know, no longer, you know, uh, organic in my soul kind of mm-hmm. character made him, makes him so interesting. And just such a, if, if we get to learn over all of star Wars, how actually complex and sad Vader is Grievous is just so blunt of mm-hmm. just made a bad choice. And I scurry in my and cough my way through it without ever questioning it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think a lot about who the character is because that makes me think about, well, what what would he do? What would he believe if if he survived? Ken, where are you at with your Grievous? What's your top line Grievous thoughts? I'll, I'll try to contain myself. I, it's, it's one of the characters I swung and, and missed at the most of my Star Wars fandom. But like like you, Joseph, you know, I think I heard, heard the name and I thought it was a pretty cool name, even though it was, you know, pulp for, for, for in a time where maybe I didn't mm-hmm. appreciate the pulp as much. But yeah, he shows up and he's hacking and he's coughing and, you know, a, a, an entire generation went, what? And and I, I get it. I was one of those. Even early in Force Center, I named him as one of my most disappointing Star Wars characters. I wanted more. Mm. Part of that was on the idea of, uh, I think it's the attack of the clone novelization, which I don't actually know where my copy is i don't know what happened to it uh you know he's unveiled in the catacombs and he's he's down he's mm. like a monster in the in, in in the basement and he's killing jedi and that's pretty cool and, and and that is cool and that's probably in my mind still how it happened uh and, and i don't mean to take a, a general swipe at, at legends in eu but yeah i think it's well known that i don't have a i've complicated relationship with legends and you the story that you're talking about i don't i don't know the details and someone will probably post oh it's in the book general grievous in the hive of vengeance or some weird legend <laughs> title um it was it, there was a crash whether the crash was intentional uh by maybe the separatists uh we don't know but the the, the, the idea was hey we'll save you versus what is there now which is a choice he made 
Mm-hmm. I need to become more powerful, so I'm going to sacrifice part of who I am to do this. And in and and he never is that powered. So I I value this character more. There was discourse not too long ago uh, on 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 uh, the socials that I stumbled into of of this kind of thing of. Well, Grievous should have been badass. He should have. He's a no. Nah, that's he not was. the point. He he was, but that's not the point. He is proto Vader, and it, it's it's screaming at you all through it. And so, it, it, I absolutely love what the character represents. Now he should always run away. He is an absolute coward. He gave up his life to be powerful, and he's not. Which feeds into my answer we get into. But like, mm-hmm. if if he survives, if he scurries away and survives, I think he's. He he's has no place. I, I think I think Palpatine might try to put him on trial, you know, mm. uh, and, and, and it'd be almost that look on Dooku's face in Revenge of the Sith of I knew the game. But now that there's two sabers around my neck and my buddy Sheev is about to kill me, I'm a little shocked that this is how it turned out. <laughs> and the Grievous would have the I'm here and Sheev would be like, I don't know. This is an enemy. Get him away. And the power he craved, the position in the galaxy he thought he was going to have is not there. Uh, and, and, and at best, he'd be a, 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 an attack dog, uh, not unlike uh, Palpatine kind of views Vader at times. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'd go with that. Yeah, I, I love that you bring up the Dooku thing. We talk a lot about the great look on Dooku's face where the dime drops. Mm-hmm. We don't talk as often about the fact that Palpatine, <laughs> he, he basically does kind of a reveal of like, ha ha, sucker. And he's like, kill him. Yeah. Kill him yeah. now. And then he's like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it looks over at Duco like you get it now. Mm. I think he'd be even more merciless with with yeah. Grievous. I think Grievous is like he he has n- Grievous is nothing to him. He has no value. He's a blunt tool for the Clone Wars. He was a tool of a tool. He was under Duku, yeah. uh, right? And um, I think I think that Palpatine would. I don't. I, the show trial is a really funny idea. Of let's put this. Yeah. Uh, traitor, uh, you know, on on trial, but I think he'd be too risky. That that Grievous might spill some detail, right? Right. Grievous would sell him out, and would would anybody believe him? And like, no, he would just want. I I think if Grievous had survived, that would have been Vader's first assignment. That would have been mm. Palpatine saying, mm. "Prove yourself to me. Prove that in your, you know, you let yourself get wounded and battered, and now you're, yeah. you know, a walking mechanical menace." Like like yeah. Grievous, prove you're the better one. Yeah. And, and I think Vader would have taken him out. 100%. Actually, that's great. That's a great idea. Yeah. go. You got, you got your lightsaber now. You bled it, uh, Vader. Mm-hmm. You're, you, I'm going to break even more, but, you know, take your place. Just go to hunt down this uh, traitor to the Republic. Yeah. What What do you think, Jennifer, of the, uh, what would have happened to Grievous immediately after uh, his sort of survival at the end of the Clone Wars when... Uh, things weren't looking good for him. Yeah, that actually reminds me. Was it the the comics where where uh, they had to duke it out and that uh, cyber cyborg uh, Mon Calamari? Oh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Is that it? That was early, yeah. early in the run of the Vader run of of yeah. yeah. Surprise, Palpatine's got six replacements ready for you. Yeah, right, right, right. So and one of them's like, yeah, yeah. The the Mon Calamari General yeah. Grievous, like, well, yep. it's a good idea. Yep. Yeah. Lot, yeah. Lot, lots of robot limbs are a real good idea. Why would we just abandon that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I think that Grievous is such a tragic figure. He just, it just mm-hmm. seems sad. Like the more yeah. that I learned about him, the sadder he became. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and yeah, he is a coward. And I think he would have gone into hiding. And mm-hmm. people would have been able, able to find him easily because he coughs so loudly. And <laughs> <laughs> He's not good at hide and seek, is he? 
No, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, and I think that he just, yeah, he would go out like a coward. And, and he just mm-hmm. seemed so, I was always surprised because he seemed like such a fragile character, mm-hmm. but then he was also very powerful mm-hmm. um, against Obi-Wan. So, uh, but I sh- I'm sure he'd get taken out pretty easily. He's just... Yeah. I don't want to say he's pathetic, but it's just sad. It's, it's sad. Tragic. Sad's a great way to look at it, and and it, it is it, it, a lot of my relationship with the prequels now versus then can be wrapped up in this discussion of Grievous. Of, mm-hmm. of uh, I don't mean to be you know hammer it, but it's it's not too hard to 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 understand if you're looking at it. And it's 2005. I you know I'm giving myself a little bit of grace. I like I was looking at it differently. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it, and 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 it's viewed as a miss. Grievous is a miss. I even went on this channel in 2015 and said Grievous was a miss, and that's not accurate. It was very purposeful. It, it, it's exactly what you're describing, Jen. It's pretty sad and pathetic, huh, Anakin? Don't you get mm-hmm. it? And 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 it just is, it, and so it's frustrating. To it's like I, I got this is probably why George packed up his things and left at one point. It was like. I didn't make it deep. <laughs> I just put it right there for y'all and y'all yelled at me. And, and, and th- that's why, that's where I'm not, where just looking at the prequels, looking at Grievous from a different point of view, uh, the point of view that he, he represents. I, I, I think he's a great character. And yeah. Sorry. I'm going to go on a prequel love and rant. Uh, <laughs> no. And I think he was developed really well in the clone wars. I think it was minimal. We didn't yeah. dive super deep, but the layer of Grievous and, you know, I don't yeah. remember all the details, but when we were doing the clone wars report, a couple of like good, back and forth with Kenobi of like, why are you doing this? Like, hey, Jedi, like, why? Yeah. Like, that, I want to prove I'm better than them. And like, it's it's so sad and so empty and so thin uh, yeah. that it exposes, I think, that sort of viewpoint of, I just want to be stronger. I just want to be better. How incredibly yeah. empty it is to follow that drive yeah. and that instinct. And I think there, if he survived there, there, I almost have this hope of like, is this character possibly able to have an epiphany? Mm-hmm. Um, because Maul has this sort of epiphany of I was used, I was thrown away. I'll take the galaxy back. I will, you know, mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And he keeps trying to sort of write the situation, but he never, he never gets anywhere away from letting go of the dark side, letting go of his hate and his anger and his in the worldview that Sidious, you know, imposed yeah. on him. Yeah, it'd be fascinating if Grievous is just like. Oh wait, I was just used and thrown away. I get now that the Clone Wars there was never going to be a happy ending for me Sidious had Dooku killed I was just a pawn <laughs> in some tragic story where he's just like using his limbs to farm on some remote planet <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's on uh, with Lamu with, the, with Galen Erso <laughs> he's on Lamu with the Ursos yeah <laughs> and Jen talks about her childhood pal Grievy Grievy oh <laughs> uh, Uncle Grievy was great what happened yeah. to him wait what are you talking <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, do you think it's possible for a character like Grievous to change? No, I think that you have to have some depth <laughs> and, like, and like be able to reflect. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like the yeah. type. That's what makes Maul so fascinating is that, that he's more like Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Grievous is just, that's why he's just so sad. It's like, oh, he's a yeah. lost cause. You're right. I mean, that's part of what I think, you know, people are, maybe challenged by but i ultimately came to love about grievous is just how blunt and almost uh uh so incredibly simple of like you know what's better than one lightsaber four lightsabers yes (laughs) right so it does seem like his emotional reaction would be i didn't have enough limbs if i had 16 limbs and 16 lightsabers 
then I would be unstoppable and just be like, there's no, that's not the way it works, bud. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Very sad. Very sad. Uh, any other thoughts on, on poor Grievous and what he would do had he survived? Uh, yeah, I do. I do think it'd just be, you know, he, 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 the, the dime would drop as he said so well. And I, now I, 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 <laughs> now I just picture him talking to, uh, someone, you know, you're a, you're a farmer, Uncle Grievy. It's, it's a good life. It's a good life. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Poor Grievy. Any final thoughts, Jennifer? No, but it does make me wonder where my action figure is. I'm, I'm sure maybe the dog chewed it up, which is just so fitting for the character. <laughs> I've got to pick up the action figure of him in his moment of death. That's like mm-hmm. with his organ sack hanging out and flames yeah. shooting oh. out of his eyes. Oh. oh, yeah, that's a great thing. <laughs> wow. Thing. Yeah, I think the, the back of the card has like, you know, a Grievous smear on it. Poor yeah. Grievy. Hard yeah. time. Hard time. Yeah. Got to celebrate him. Anyway. A toast to Grievy. Uh, and then we uh, <laughs> we move on to our final question. Uh, been two, and two questions, but some of our questions are a little uh, bit more uh, shorter, straightforward. Uh, so we're going to tag some on here. Uh, this one comes to us from Spencer Wakefield, who says, Hey, Four Center crew, let's talk numbers. Are there any numbers, Star Wars-y or otherwise, that pop up frequently in your life, whether intentionally or not? I swear I look at the clock at 11.38 at least five times a week, sometimes more. Are there any lucky numbers you're drawn to? If so, where do they come from? Is it your high school jersey number, the year you were born, or does it just have that certain je ne sais quoi? I've adopted 13 as my go-to integer because I'm partial to odd numbers and decidedly anti-superstitious. Finally, do you have any quirky rules around numbers like needing to have the television volume set to a multiple of five. This is, a, I think, a really fun question because I think it is about our relationship with numbers. And this question is the challenge of, can we talk about it uh, without giving away any of our passwords? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad you said that. Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, when it first came, I was like, oh yeah, this and this. And like, no, you cannot, don't mention those numbers. Oh wow! <laughs> there, Yikes. I am. I am leaving one out of this conversation, so that it will always yep. be, always be a mystery. Sure. Yep, hmm. yep. Well, I really gravitate toward my social security numbers. Let me say <laughs> it on YouTube and podcast. Um, Jennifer, That's what's your funny. general relationship with numbers? Do you have favorite numbers? Do you think about this kind of thing? I am fascinated with people who are fascinated with numbers. Uh, Mm -hmm, Numerology, mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. example. My grandmother was really into numbers. And I was very young. And she would go on and on about the numbers and numbers and numbers. And I have never really delved into it. But I have heard that there are numbers that you might see often. And what does that mean to Mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that's funny for me was when I was waiting tables – I had this ability to know exactly what time it was at any mm. given time. Mm. I was really mm. cause like it, sometimes time would move really slowly. And I'm like, I bet you it's 1138. And I look mm. up at the clock and it was 1138. It was this weird thing. I can't do it anymore. It was only with, yeah. when I was waiting tables. Um, yeah. I'm also terrible at math. So <laughs> I have all these <laughs> dueling yeah. things right now and I don't want to give away any of my password numbers. So that's where I'm going to leave it for the moment. <laughs> I think it's fascinating that the that when we are good at estimating time and we're not, which yeah, yeah. it sounds to me like you probably had a really good sense of your own internal clock that is uh, adjusted based on how fast the day is going. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're talking about mm-hmm. 
when it's really slow and dead and it is taking forever for your job to end versus you're slammed and time is flying, mm-hmm. that you have some amount of like honesty with yourself about how your feelings relate to time or mm. really our perception of time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because there is that slow that thing of like, I remember as a kid being fascinated by like, wait, if if everything was boring, would I live longer? <laughs> <laughs> because it felt like time travel, right? It felt wow. like yeah. I could play with my action figures two hours past, like, wow, that's huge. like snap. If my mom yeah. takes me to like her college class huh. with her and I'm just sitting in a back row. It's just endless. Like, no. wow. is that a way that's to access the powers of time travel? Mm-hmm. I love like, that. I'll let scientists work on that one. Ken, do you yeah. have a relationship with numbers uh, like this? Uh, not not a huge one. Uh, I have some numbers I'll, I'll list, some I'll keep back. Uh, that is <laughs> so funny. Uh, but like you, Jed, I, I, I like people – I like trying to understand why people have that relationship with numbers. You know, it's like I – I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, but I'm fascinated by those that do, which is why I watch all those weird ghost hunting shows and silly ghost hunting shows. I'm just fascinated by the people um, who, who have made that full commitment to the idea. Um, so, yeah, I, I like I, I definitely see 1111 a lot. You know, I look up and it's 1111 mm-hmm. and all that stuff only because I think I'm now aware of it. Uh, I love I love, you know, there's a lot going around with Taylor Swift and 13. Oh yeah, that you could find all the stuff yeah. around the the score, the teams, this and that, the album, the track, and and you know, I don't know even what what to what end people are putting that out there for, but it's fascinating. On the darker side, I remember around nine eleven, you could count numbers and add it up, and it would be nine eleven or nine hundred eleven. And again, I don't know what and why that what that even means, but it, it's fascinating. And I'll I'll watch a little explainer video on it every now and then. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna lie, but for me. Uh, yeah, having be a sport, been a, been a sports fan, I have some numbers. My favorite baseball player uh, wore number eight, Gary Carter, for years. So eight's always been one of my favorite numbers because of Hitchhiker's Guy the Galaxy. I love the number 42, and I put that on. Uh, I, I order custom Converse, and they all have the number 42 on them. And I would oh, work, cool. Yeah, I would work 42 and still kind of work 42 into any comedy scripts or something like that, or scripts I wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I, if I have a choice of a number, it would be like 142 or 4240. Yeah, so... But that's just fun, silly nerd stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I definitely have those pop culture numbers, and in, in forty-two yeah. w- is is a big one um, because of its power in, mm-hmm. in humor in the Douglas Adam thing. And it used to be, I think, a more subtle wink. In now, I yeah. think people use it a lot. <laughs> Tattoos, <laughs> and, I'm sure. Yeah, and our, mm. yeah, yeah. It is, which I, that's great. And more people should yeah. know it and yeah. love it. And, you know, there are various star wars numbers like 1138 there's some mm-hmm. numbers that have popped up you know in in all sorts of different pop culture um it, it there to me there's like yeah i struggled with uh with math i don't think i had good teachers and i don't think i naturally was inclined to it and i think if i had better teachers and got better encouragement i would have been better at math but like mm-hmm. i gave personalities to numbers like mm-hmm. one one was kind of cocky two was real nice in my mm-hmm. mind probably because of r2d2 yeah. um the coolest number was seven. Everyone wanted to be seven. Mm. Uh, so that was my relationship to numbers. So I think any time that they are given personality by something exterior, like 1138, the way Spencer Wakefield is talking about it, I think you have those moments where you, if Star Wars had not made 1138 a special number to you, mm. you would probably still see 1138 just as many times, but it feels like you're seeing it a lot because now it's special and it's like a little pop of joy. Every time you see that number, because that's got a personality and connects you to something you love. So I think 
I think that's why we sometimes feel like we see significant numbers. It's because they're on our mind, you know? Yeah. And, and shout out to everyone, including myself. I did this once on Facebook and early Instagram. Anytime you get a receipt at a fast food restaurant that says order 66 and you post a yes. picture of it, an angel gets their wings. And I've done that many times because it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's oh, that is something really beautiful about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> particularly if it's something really messy, like oh, I got a meatball sub, order sixty six. <laughs> like, um, other one for me is uh, that has just come from the happenstance of my life. Of uh, I always like seven, I think, because I learned early on that it's sort of pulpy and magic, and mm. the connection to 007. and and you know, Spencer mm. asks if we have things like the. Uh, TV volume. I'll often set things to seven because it's fun. I did a Kickstarter once and instead of having it for an even amount of dollars, seven was the last dollar. So just mm. for fun. Um, but then that really got um, uh, uh, cemented. My birthday is August 17th. Uh, we didn't plan it. It was just the day that the venue we wanted was the most affordable. Uh, but my wedding anniversary is November 17th. Mm. And again, we didn't plan it. It was just when can we get there? Uh, the anniversary of Sarah and I arriving in Los Angeles is March 17th. So it just sort of feels like 17 follows me around. So I like 17 a lot. And I have that same kind of thing of like, look at the clock and it's 817. Yeah. Oh, it's kismet. There you go. Yeah. That means I want someone, someone in the numbers. Tell us what that means. Why is that 17 following him? (laughs) In the comments, people are going to like, it means you're going to die. Oh no. (laughs) Uh, Jennifer, any other number stuff that you wanted to share? And, And no problem if you don't. Uh, I, I can't remember the trash people, uh, trash person is really Ask loud. them what their um, favorite numbers are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something fascinating about, uh, people who are really good at math and numbers and they're, mm-hmm. and what I've learned from, from my husband who is, he's able to visualize it. Yeah. When I, I, yeah. Get, I like, so I like what you were saying, Joseph, about like the personalities that would have really helped me as a kid because I cannot visualize numbers in my head. And so I was always like counting on my fingers. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that yeah. people who are drawn to numbers, maybe it is more of a visual, a visual thing. And I, I yeah. want to learn more about this uh, numerology thing because I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I it's, think, I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Ken. It's also interesting to know that even after all these years, I still count like this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, <laughs> eleven, twelve. Shout out to all you it Sesame is, Streeters. Hey, if if you don't know that, Google the, the Sesame Street number song and, and you are going to have a jam to bop to. Uh, That's right. Yeah. That's right. We were, we were very, very lucky. Uh, imagine Max Rebo covering that one. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> all right any other uh thoughts on this question or shall we wrap up for this episode uh nope i just gotta go change all my passwords right now. <laughs> all right that's it please don't hack us it is time for ken to tell us where you can find us <laughs> yes you can you can find us uh on LastPass, which secures all your passwords with one button uh i'm on twitter at force center but no we're uh, we're on twitter i'm not on well we kind of on twitter uh we're on twitter force center pod we're on threads as well facebook pages force center podcast instagram uh is also where we're at and we've been uh you know who knows one day we might be live on instagram too uh or facebook check it out we were talking about some stuff over burritos at enchiladas yesterday uh podcast is available on acast iHeartRadio, apple podcast just search you'll find us we're on youtube as we said subscribe over there check out the latest episode of jedi beat and don't just check it out tell your friends about what we're doing over there uh, merch available tpublic.com slash user slash force center and as we said before you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center check out that shop tab even if you're not a, a paid member 
and see if you're interested in 007 Center. I'm at Catnapsack or catnapsack.com. Uh, I've got uh, shows in Boston coming up first week of April. Uh, Mark hasn't put the official information out. At least I haven't seen it, but go to my website for more. Uh, Joseph, where can they find follow you? Yeah, you can find me on almost all the social media at Joseph Grimshaw is my handle everywhere. Uh, I am particularly enjoying Blue Sky. We'll see if Blue Sky keeps <laughs> keeps going. Who knows who will win the social media wars and when a film will be made about it. But uh, you can follow me on Blue Sky. You can also uh, subscribe to my newsletter blog that I'm putting out every Tuesday. It's called Finish Your Monsters, and it's all about the creative process. Uh, discuss a little bit what's going on with me, but also hope to encourage other people to set reasonable goals and try to get them done within the week. Uh, you can find that by just Googling button down, uh, which is the host, and Finish Your Monsters. There it is. Jen, take us home. They can find Jedi Beat here, but where can they find and follow you? Yeah, you can also find me on my YouTube channel at Jennifer Landa, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the same name, and TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138. There you go. There you go, folks. A lot of fun. Thanks for the questions. We'll see you all next time here on Force Center. Joseph, do the final tagline. The final tagline of. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> Look, if, if you cannot tell by my glasses and my hair and my coffee, I kind of woke up late today. So I realize, even though I do the outro, it's really you're leading this the cues episode, and I want to stuff on you. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. We do. I Sometimes we have outros, sometimes we don't. Eat your burritos, kids. No, uh, <laughs> we have aid the cues. There it is. Bye, friends. <laughs> Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.